Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, all you private partners. Welcome to another episode of your favourite podcast in the world. Um, so I am recording this, not in the studio, recording this in my bedroom, of all places, weirdly, because someone from the team lost the intro to the podcast. Not that it matters, because this is just a little ramble before we get actually into the good bits. The good bits are still here, so don't worry about that. It's just the rambling at the top. Me and Alex. So what can I say, really? Um, hope you're enjoying the heat wave. Today we have a fabulous guest, Kenton Cool. Uh, Kenton is one of the UK's biggest, best, most established adventurers in the entire world. Um, we talk in the episode about death. We talk about um, mental health. We talk about courage and what really drives him. We talk about what happens when you have to survive in the most horrendous situations. Um, and also we talk about what it costs to actually climb Everest. It's an incredible interview. He's an incredible guy. Um, I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. Uh, please remember to get in touch as well. Our Instagram and TikTok at Private Podcast. We'd love to hear from you guys. Send us a DM. Okay, let's get on with the episode. Kenton Cool on Private Parts. Enjoy. Kenton, got a question for you. This hit, is how, this hit, is how, hit, yeah, hit you with it. Hit me with it. It's like being back at school. Yeah. Hit. 15. <laughs> Tom. 59. Tom, Tom over here. Tom over here. Um, what was it? Was it uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? What was the answer in that? Was it 47 or something? What was that? Did you what? ever read that? What's that? The book. Yeah, no, what was the question? I, I can't remember. What, no, the question to the universe. Uh, was it the question to the universe? Oh, yeah. What, what was the answer to it? It was something arbitrary, like 47. 15? I don't know. No, in, in the, I was made to read that at school. No. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Have much. you got a book yet? <laughs> Boy, has he. <laughs> Available in all good charity shops. <laughs> uh, Ken, what you won't know about me is uh, when an offer comes in, boy, do I take it. 
It was unusual in the sense that it got published and went straight into the bargain bucket. <laughs> I'm gonna, it was one of the worst decisions I've ever made. What, to write a book? Yes. Why was that? No, because was I haven't climbed Everest like you. Well, no, it doesn't matter. It's your own journey. Okay, my journey. There we go. Okay, do you want to hear my journey? I, 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 yeah, roll reversal. Um, right? Whose podcast is this? Is mine or yours? <laughs> Went to private school. Parents divorced. That was it. That I joined. That was literally all I had to give. And yeah. I was and I was asked to well, do it. How do you pad, pad that out for like fifty pages? A oh. lot of photos. <laughs> A lot of photos. <laughs> it was quite hard to do. And we had. Do you know who I mean by uh, Richard Osman? Do you know Richard Osman? No, Tall guy. He's a tall guy. He used to from, host from Pointless. Pointless. Right, was what, a podcast or a TV show? Or He's, now I've, I've only just got a TV. I yeah, mean, that's right. F- you won't know this, will you? Because yeah, you don't I, have a TV. I don't, don't, well, I do now. Yeah. But he, but Richard Osman, he's, he's, his books, he's written a trilogy. And the first book has sold, I think, four million copies now. So he's killed it. And I, my book had just come out and I gave it to him as a present. And he's a pretty smart guy. I've never seen it. He <laughs> tore it apart. <laughs> His, the first thing was called I Can Explain. And it was a picture of me tied up on a chair. And he was like, was that because you're so crazy that they needed to tie you up in a chair? Otherwise, it'd be too wild. And it, honestly, he tore me apart. Oh, my God. Uh, How many books have you there. written, Kenton? Just the one. Just the one? Just the one, yeah. About your life? Uh, yeah, yeah a bit, a bit pretty sycophantic, self-indulgent. It's mm-hmm. all about me, me, myself, and I. Uh, one man's Everest. Yeah. yeah, but but I think with you, that, that'll probably get torn apart as well. No ways. Your no. your one is your, and also before we kick things off, I just want to say thank oh, you. Oh, have you started? Yeah, this is oh, it. Oh, we have. Okay, fantastic. I lure people Buckle in. Up. Yeah, I lure people into a real sense of uh, just being feeling relaxed, like just hanging out, <laughs> just hanging out. Um, your your story is 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 pretty wild. Well, not as wild as you. I didn't need tying up. Yeah, but I think you you needed bandaging up and all these different things throughout your life. And how many times have you climbed Everest? Is it 16 times? 16 times now. Wow. Yeah, I, I, was, I was literally on the top uh, two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. Wow. Yeah, I got, got back to uh, the UK, yeah, two weeks ago. What, it, can it, I, pretty busy why since. 16 times? Why 16? Uh, a widespread lack of imagination. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, uh, honestly, Is it like an joke? addictive thing? Most things are addictive. I yeah. Think. Uh, yeah, addiction. Anyway, uh, we won't get into addiction. Not alcohol. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not alcohol. Uh, where were we? Oh, yeah. Why, why Everest 16 times? Uh, we're partly work. Yeah. Uh, I'm an Everest guide. So, you know, a bit like the A-team. If you've got enough money, if you can find me, yeah. then maybe you can climb Everest. Yeah. Uh, but more than that, you know, I, I love Nepal. I love the people. I love the culture. Uh, and, you know, the fact that people will, will literally pay me to go climb Everest with them and look after them. Just gives me a really good reason to go back and work with my Sherpa friends and work on that mountain. So people will pay you to get them up to the top of Everest. And back down again. Yeah, that yeah. importantly that, that, back that, that down. That bit's yeah. left out sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, unless, unless there's like a, I don't know, a spurned yeah. you know, a husband or, or wife who pays me not to bring them back. Yeah, yeah. But, but man, that's also open to negotiation. <laughs> oh, my God. That, that's often more than yeah. bringing them yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, Kenan, this is, this, there has to be something more than that because... Okay, what were you like as a child? Were you one of these kids who constantly outdoors, constantly like it? Were you? Did you just enjoy adventures all the time? Yeah, very much so. So I was, I was you know, we've only just met, but I like to think we're friends. Yeah, hundred uh, yeah, percent. I know your mother. Glad you said it. Yeah, I know your mother pretty well. So <laughs> yeah, um, and pretty, that's good. pretty well, very well. <laughs> no, listen. I see, I, see, I see her regularly. No, you don't. Uh, yeah. No, you don't. She's locked the doors. That's what I've heard. <laughs> uh, no, joking apart, we are neighbours. You know, so if the audience is listening, 
Uh, I live out in the Cotswolds and um, yeah, we're pretty much neighbors, a yeah. few, few fields apart. Mm -hmm. um, but now what was I like as a child? Uh, I was born in Slough, which is why I was saying we're all friends because not many yeah. people would boast about coming from Slough, famous for the poem, come friendly bombs, come rain on Slough. So yeah. John Betjeman. You yeah. probably learned that at your private school. Did uh, you learn that? I, yeah, I did actually. You did. I did. Uh, as well as reading uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> uh, you do anything else at school? You just read those two books? Yeah, I uh, played uh, a lot of rugby. You were bullied pretty severely as well. <laughs> well, I'm not, not surprised. No, are you yeah. kidding me? I was a popular kid. I was, anyone who says the popular kid. I was a popular kid. Definitely weren't the popular kid. Anyway, but yeah, growing up in Slough, no one's a popular kid. Um, so I wasn't popular. But no, I grew up in, in the corner of a farm field. Uh, we just had a little bungalow there. And yeah, not much going on. Uh, so I was, I was outside all the time, uh, pretty much. You know, whenever I had the opportunity, you know, throwing sticks in conquer trees or building dens or whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't, you know, Slough's flat. The yeah. last time I looked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah. So there's, yeah. there's no adventure there. So it's a Mars bar factory. So maybe but, I ingested but enough you have Mars to, bars. But the thing is, you you must have an appetite, and I want to get into the whole thing. You must have an appetite for risk. Like there has to be, right? There has to be something within yeah, yourself I mean, to like from a young kid is that you you love pushing boundaries and I'm super competitive, really. Uh, yeah, to, to the point of almost destruction. Uh, and I got I got a severe jealousy streak as well. So put those two together, it can be quite mm. destructive. Uh, but then if it's channeled in the right way, it can be really productive. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think I was pretty productive. I always wanted to be the best. I, I you know wanted to climb higher up the tree or you know, win the hockey match or, or yeah. whatever it was. Uh, so I think that's that probably had something to do, yeah, yeah, to, to do with it, and then sort of added into the mix. You know, but what do you mean destructive? In what ways was it destructive, or can it be destructive? Well, well jealousy is a really poor value to have, isn't totally, it? Totally, I, I agree. Mean, yeah. it, it's hideous, and I think if you are so, my competitiveness came through perhaps looking at other people and thinking, yeah, I want to be better than you, or I, I, I want to be like you. You know, that, that that sort of jealous streak, rather than a constructive. Yeah, competitiveness. Uh, yeah, and it's only through sort of self, um, sort of working on myself in the last few years that I kind of realised the difference between that destructiveness. Was and there because you've obviously turned it into something positive? Or was there a I period where so. it went oh, in a negative way? I wouldn't say super negative, but yeah, you know, I'm a professional mountain guide. There's not very many of us yeah. around. Yeah, you know, certainly not in the UK. And you know, instead of helping the sort of the next generation, I would kind of spurn them to try to be. The yeah. number one mountain guide, for yeah. instance. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's only recently that I realized how short sighted that is. You know, not just from a community point of view um, and a uh, sort of cultural collective point of view, but, but you know, from my own self growth as well. Yeah. You, know, you can't spurn people and deliberately not help people thinking that it's going to give you the one upmanship. Mm. You know, you, if, if you're going to be number one, you should be number one on your merit. Not, yeah. not putting somebody else down or, or not deliberately not helping somebody. That is so true. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's tricky. And I suppose... Jamie is very jealous. You're, you, you like to put down a lot of other podcasts. Don't you? <laughs> well, uh, this is the number uh, one podcast, is it not? Yeah, that's yeah. what I was told when I was... Damn there. straight. They're, they're, Jamie will do anything that's to how you keep it number me one. to get here. Believe me. Damn he will do anything. straight it is. I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great book, but I, um, I, I definitely have jealousy within me for sure. And, and not jealousy in terms of uh, relationships or things. I'm not jealous like that. I'm, I'm competitive like you massively. And actually, as I've got older, it's got a little bit worse, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, okay, I think so. I think... Like mine's the other way around. I think mine's been tempered. Because mm -hmm. I kind of realized that on any given day, and I, I got this from, from arguably the best podcast going. Mm -hmm. Does it on a uh, disc? 
Oh, mm. I mean, so, it, you, it, that's bullshit. What are you talking? This is the great. <laughs> no, no, uh, desert no, island off. disc. Desert, a, no, desert <laughs> island disc. Yeah, desert island disc. I mean, that, 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 I mean, that's the original podcast, surely. Yeah, it is. I think that's a radio show, not a podcast. That turned oh. into a podcast, though. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I think. But what's the difference? Well, one's on demand, one's not. Mm. Um, I think that's what it is. There you go. But there you go. That is the greatest answer I've ever given so quickly. It's quite it's succinct <laughs> as well. <laughs> I hadn't planned that, but honestly. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so I learned that from Desert Island. Yeah. The radio show Desert Island yeah. Disc. Okay, so you're still on number one spot. Does it make you feel Thank good? You. It makes you feel much better. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and it was not Martina Nasalova was being interviewed, and uh, I forget uh, Kirsty Young. No, it wouldn't be Kirsty Young before that. I was interviewing her and saying, "Did you ever get nervous? You know, you sent to court Wimbledon uh, Championship match, whatever. Uh, did you ever get nervous?" And she was like, "No, because on any given day, somebody might have beaten me, mm. and because of that." You know, I, was, I was never nervous. And everyone was beaten. It was wow. built on, on merit. And I listened to this years ago and just thought, huh. And that's so true. You know, as much as I always wanted to be the best, at some stage, somebody is going to be better than you. And mm. it could be a fluke. It could be because they're younger or faster, got more energy, or they're just simply better. And you just got to accept that. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's hard to, I think it's hard to, I used to have it as a, I used to run. Do I think it is a podcast. <laughs> I love how his mind was working getting back to it. As a kid, though, I had that. I, I used to run a lot, and um, I remember I used to go to the nationals. I, I was went to the nationals very good runner, and and I remember I used to get so nervous because it was the prospect of not winning that would make me almost sick. So the fear of failure, the fear of failure, completely. Yeah. And but the fact you had the nationals anyway, you know, even before you start, you're winning. Yeah, true, I mean, I mean, but I people, didn't see it like that. How ever? many people don't even get to the nationals? Mm. Yeah. yeah, but I would, I would. My, that's actually exactly what I never thought of it that way. Mine is the fear of failing. The fear, the fear of failing. I had, but I never. But I then throw myself into situations where I'm bound to fail. So I don't. I don't I'm not scared that failure is self sabotage. Is that what it is? Well, well, if if you go out to fail, then sort of. And the interesting thing. So so when you say fear of failure, is that fear of failure? within yourself or in the eyes of your peers? I don't know. Possibly in the eyes of my peers, potentially. Because that's, I mean, I, I still struggle with that to a certain extent. Yeah, why do we? Especially, typically men as well. It's so funny. We have this thing where we have to, you know, I don't know. As a kid, it's about, I don't know, you, you grow up and you, it's like being good at sport. And then when you leave, it's about doing, you know, it's about I don't know who you're dating or whatever. And then it's about business or achievements or whatever we always feel like there has to there's this competitive edge i feel yeah i, I think so but I, I mean to a certain extent that's pushed onto us by society i mean what was the film wall street uh, look at uh, gordon gecko greed is good okay so you know in that film and when was that in the 80s whenever yeah. it was you know constantly striving to get essentially more money mm. you know greedier bigger house faster car you know you know, better looking girlfriend or boyfriend or, or whatever it is, you know, that constant strive for materialistic wealth and that greed is instilled in us from an early age that that's, that's what we should, should do. Mm. And I think it's really important for us as individuals, you know, as we get older, we kind of realize that that is so profoundly wrong. Mm. Or I think anyway. Yeah, totally. Uh, you, know, you need to take a step back. And I only learned that through travel, you know, traveling to places like Pakistan or or Nepal or Northern India or whatever it is. And you kind of realize that you only need so much to be 
so comfortable and safe. And anything else is, you know, it, it is greed. Did you have, when, when you climbed Everest the first time, was, it, was there a sense of, so was it anticlimactic when you did it? Did you feel, was it, ever, was it what you wanted it to be or was it? Well, I, I was there for work. I mean, the first, first time I ever went to Nepal, um, uh, Everest, I was there as a professional guide. Yeah. So I, I was there to fulfill the ambition and drive of, of, of the clients. Yeah. So, and, and we did that. We had a hundred percent success rate. All the clients got to the top safely and came back down again. So from my perspective, not only had I climbed the mountain, I got paid to do it, but from a sort of performance side of things, it couldn't be any better. If you have a satisfied customer client, yeah. you, you have fulfilled what you set out to do. Mm. We all went home having had a great expedition, all friends, all the summit. Yeah. And, it, and it was great. Uh, and, and I loved it. And I think one of the reasons what makes me quite unusual is having done it once, I was very willing to do it again. Yeah. Yeah, because normally you would, it's such a... It's so dangerous. Like, I would guess most people, when yeah. they've done it once, they go, I've, I've done it, I don't need to do it again. Yeah, I don't need to do it again. But, but then at some stage, I mean, that, uh, what was the book called? Um, Feeding the Rat. Uh, it's uh, by Al uh, Virus. And it's uh, talking about Mo Antoine, who was a climber. And in, you know, to paraphrase it, inside us, there's a rat. And the rat needs sustenance. And that will, can come from anything. You know, it, it, it could come from I don't know, drugs or alcohol. Or, or in my case, my addiction is big mountains. Yeah. And, and, the, and the rat will be sated. And then a few weeks later or months later or a year later, the rat starts gnawing away. Yeah. And it needs to be fed again. And I think most people that climb Everest, they have a rat. Hmm. And something needs to be fed to that rat for it to be happy. And it could be... You know, it could be climbing another mountain. It could be sailing around the world. I mean, if you look at the, the majority of people that climb Everest, they have an adventurous streak in there yeah, somewhere. Yeah. And perhaps they're not climbing another mountain, but they're doing something else. It could be trekking to the pole or they could be running the mountain to Saab or, or whatever it, it yeah. is. Because the rat needs feeding. And we yeah. all have a rat. Yeah, I love Mine's that. called Arthur. <laughs> it's yours you, you have a little hamster you put on your mine's butt. A, mine's a guinea pig. <laughs> Yours, yeah, yours, you're like you and Richard Gere. You get an anally inserted <laughs> guinea pig. But I'd rather not talk a about guinea it. pig. <laughs> yeah. My, my, I had a guinea pig growing up called Captain Beaky. Captain, disappeared. Captain yours Captain are always Beaky. about captains. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He disappeared. He disappeared one day. I was so gutted. I got up, I got up one morning. We had this big sort of hutch thing for it outside. I, I went, went to feed him in the morning yeah. and, or her, whatever it was. And, and it wasn't there. It's just gone. <laughs> we had, a, so we had a guinea pig die as well. Have you ever eaten guinea pig? You go down to um, Bolivia and Ecuador. I think I places. have actually. Yeah, yeah they, they eat they guinea are. pig. No, 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 don't say my guinea pig wasn't eaten. I didn't eat my guinea pig. Where was yours, Bolivia? No, you, no, no, no. You, you ate it in Bolivia. <laughs> oh, I ate it in Bolivia. Yeah. yeah, I should point out I'm plant based now. So I think I, I, I ate mine in sort of I, somewhere in southwest London. I, I don't, I, I don't feel happy with this talk about. Guinea pigs. Guinea Captain, Captain Beaky was—he was so fluffy. Yeah, I, told, I don't want to bring you, up you, old. You can um, sit there like like Blofeld. Yeah, just like stroke, stroke <laughs> your, your There is no pig. way that you people walking through you are stroking your guinea pig, thinking you like Blofeld. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have so many questions about Everest. Yeah, I want to. I want to know this I, one because yeah, I'm, I'm a bit obsessed with it. I have but so really? many questions. Yeah, we can go on as many times as you want. Tom is obsessed with Everest. Well, I've as watched well. a lot of documentaries about it. And I've, I've What's your so favorite many... documentary? When you say documentary, Everest. you mean movies. There's one, <laughs> on Netflix, movie. there's one on Netflix that I watched pretty recently. Is that Nims's one? Uh, uh, the, the 14, 8,000 meter peaks. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just quickly on that. Okay, I'm going to ask the Nims thing. Okay, Nims, if you haven't seen it, he climbed 14 peaks, uh, Netflix show. Um, 
he did it with oxygen and all these different things. There's yeah. the, what are your thoughts on that? Is that is that a um, record to hold, or as a climber yourself, do you think he had an unfair advantage? Right, well, I use oxygen. Uh, and I use oxygen sure. because I'm working. So I have a duty of care to my clients. And what people don't really realize is oxygen does a number of things. Uh, it keeps you warm. Uh, but, but more than that, in, in the, the way that I facilitate my, um, my clients, let's take a step back. When you don't use oxygen, your brain is being starved of oxygen. Yeah. And it affects your judgment. And yeah. I'm there to look after. I work in the service industry. I am looking after a paying client. Yeah. And they need my utmost care and attention. And that's why I use oxygen. And each of my ascents has been climbed. So when you say use oxygen, oxygen. It, it's you're using an oxygen tank. Yeah, so you literally have a tank on your back. It holds about 1,500 litres of pure oxygen. And it's on, uh, it's on a direct feed. And it comes into a, an oxygen mask. And Mi is it possible to do it air. without oxygen? Totally. So 1978. So you, you've entered geekism now. Here we go. Um, Here I, we I, go. I, know, I know pretty much everything about this mountain. To our listeners, so, if you see Kenny, he's honestly lit up. He, he can't so, 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 yeah, can't so, 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 so the audience can turn off now and come back in about 20 minutes. <laughs> no, let's finish. hear it all. I want to hear it all. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So 1978, Messner, Reinhold Messner, the Italian mountaineer, and the Austrian Peter Harbler were the first to climb Everest without supplementary oxygen. And before that point, people thought it wasn't possible. Yeah. Uh, it really was. It, it was such a tour de force. And then Messner went back about two years later, uh, where it was two years later in the autumn, and climbed Everest from the north, from Chinese Tibet, yeah. via a new route, on his own, without oxygen. And you could argue that that is or was the pinnacle of climbing on Everest. Nobody has done something in better style since then. Since then. Really? Why? Yeah. Because it was so unheard of. It was so unheard of. There's no one else on the mountain, new route, so nobody's ever climbed the route, no fixed lines, no Sherpa, no oxygen. Wow. Just, just, just Messner. Uh, incredible. So th that's like... <sighs> that's like Shackleton days. 
Yeah, that, exactly. That is like yeah, that. That, that's right up there. I was trying to think of an analogy. That's a really good yeah, one. Yeah, well but, but, but but Shackleton's on his own. Yeah. Fuck Yeah, it does totally out there. Now to go back to Nims, what Nims did, he raised the bar. And you need that in any sport or or anything that you're doing. You need somebody every now and then to come along, like Messner and Harbler did, and they raise the game. Uh, endurance wise, what Nims did, phenomenal. I mean, his mm. times between some of the mountains, outrageous. Yes, he was using fixed rope. Yes, he was using oxygen. Uh, but I think if you remove those, what he did probably wouldn't be possible. Yeah. In fact, I said at the time, I went on record to saying, I don't believe Nims can, can do it. I think he's going to get his ass handed to him in Pakistan. Mm. And he proved me wrong. And I was the first to eat humble pie. Quite, wow. quite, quite a lot of it. Uh, and then interestingly, now that he's done it, he's proved it's possible. There's a uh, relatively young Norwegian girl, uh, Kristen, uh, and she's trying to do the same thing. Uh, only she wants to try to beat Nims's, Nims's record. Wow. Uh, and she's on course at the moment that, to do all 14 in six months. Wow. That is insane. But when does the point come when, firstly, how much, firstly, how much does it cost to, people don't realize the cost of like climbing Everest and things. How much does it cost typically to climb Everest? So uh, Everest is going to be anywhere between about $35,000 and the sky's the limit. So the most expensive single operator on the mountain right now is, is NIMS because of his reputation and he just went stratospheric with his uh, Netflix yeah. thingy. And then, you know, and then it's probably me. You know, I, I'm, not an ex I'm not a cheap operator on that mountain mm. because I work in a very, And how many times a year will you, will you do that? Just the one time. I work with one client at any one time, bespoke the expedition, and that comes out of price. And it's significantly more than 35,000. So... so <laughs> <laughs> how much, so, how so, much is it? <laughs> if, I, if I'm asking you, if I say to you, Ken, I'm going, Kenton, you and I, we're going to go and climb Everest together. And I want to climb and bear with in you. mind that Jamie did sign a lucrative book deal. So <laughs> well, absolutely. <laughs> so just doubled. <laughs> I want to climb Everest with you. Yeah, and I want to do your only time. And I want to do it in 2024. What yep. are you charging me? Well, that's fantastic because it gives us a lead time because it's a project fee for you know, the training and, and all that stuff. Minimum is you know, starting price about 300,000, 250,000. Wow. 300, wow. wow. So, that yeah. is insane. But also, that well, is. I think it's insanely cheap. Yeah, no, I do, but also, other, you're risking. Do you, do you pay that when you're down safely or do you pay that up front? No, I like, I like, I like it being paid up front. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he's not a hitman. What you so maybe like a 50% deposit first and then the second half. That is, a, that is amazing. And I suppose people want to do it with you, Kenton, is because you just know. It's like, it's like when you go and buy a car, in a sense, and not related to you to a car, but if you're going to go and buy a car, you want to buy a car that you know is going to Start drive well. Yeah, yeah, it's going to drive well. It's going to look good. It's going to all these things. You know what you're buying. So with you, what you're doing is you're buying that kind of... Um, so, so what you're buying Sa into... It, safety it, it, and hereditary and brand, right? You're buying into the brand, which is you. Uh, or is that wrong? Are, are you buying into a brand? I don't know if you're buying into a brand, but what you're buying, you're buying 16 summits worth of yeah, experience. experience. I mean, there's no other Western operator that's got that level of experience. Have I, you, I've have been you there done it longer. the most times? I haven't done it the most times. Like Kami Rita, the, the Sherpa, yeah. uh, he, he's climbed, climbed it 26 times now. Okay. Uh, but but in, term, in terms of a decision maker, yeah. somebody that can liaise with the client, uh, spend time with the client, Bolter the client's confidence mindset when it needs when it you know, when it needs coaching. Yeah. Because you know when I'm not climbing big mountains, I'm a performance coach. Yeah. And when you throw all that into the mix, then the main reason for failure on uh, on Everest is mindset. Uh, it's not the physicality of it. Yes, it's a physical task, but it's yeah. mindset. And 
you need to turn up to that mountain with uh, with a bulletproof mindset. And if there's yeah. any chinks in your armor, they are going to manifest themselves in quite an ugly manner quite quickly because there's downtime, you're navel-gazing, you're looking at this bloody great mountain, there's a, a risk of death or avalanches or frostbite injuries, or, you know, your finger's going to fall off, or whatever it is. And that's going to chip away at your armor. And, yeah. you, and you, you, you need a, a guide, a leader that is there to to work through your strengths, to nurture your weaknesses, and, and to keep your confidence high. And, and then, you know, more than that, I, I mean, after me, in terms of Western leaders, I think, uh, what's his name? Uh, Garrett Madison's on 10 summits. So, so the gap between the experience right. that I have or anybody else yeah. on that mountain, even NIMS, I mean, NIMS has summited, what, I think from three or four separate seasons. Now, I've been there seven, uh, 16 seasons. Wow. Uh, th that level of experience is unique Do you and, and there's no hacks to gaining that experience yeah. there's no shortcuts no you know, the, the, you know the, the generation certainly behind me are always looking at a hack a shortcut to success and more often than not you, you got to put the time in yeah. and if you put the time in you're going to get the rewards and by hiring me that is a hack because I have that depth of experience. Do you think you could it. take? I'm going to bring you through the, the front door at the end of the trip. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you could take anybody up there, or do you, do they have to have a specific mindset? No, I, I think mindset can be can be taught so to you a certain can extent. Teach that. Yeah. I, I, I believe you can if somebody's open to it. Uh, so you know, can you take anybody within reason? But that individual has to to want to do it in the first place. Is the mindset more important than physical? No, one hundred percent. Well, one hundred percent. Yeah. David Goggins. You come across David Goggins. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, Unbelievable. His book, yeah, his book can't hurt me. Um, you know, he talks about the weakness is the human mind. Yeah. It's not the human physicality. Yeah. And he he pontificates a lot about the thirty percent rule. You know, your your brain will tell you you can't do any more at thirty percent of your physical attribute. So you've got seventy percent of your physical performance is not being tapped into. Yeah. So if you relate that to Everest, the first thing that is going to crumble is, is your mindset. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. You, so you, many questions. I know. I got a million. I've got about eight questions <laughs> in my head. I've got eight. I only think, eight. I think wow. I've got 30. <laughs> it's like a game of chess. I'm like, what do I ask I first? Just wanna... Can I, it's just, it, it's what is just so fascinating about you is, is, yeah, I, I'm so in, interested in mindset as well and, and what the mind can do. And David Goggins is a great example because he does. He's this insane guy who, yeah, he basically says that your, your, mind is the, your mind gives up before your actual body does. And people go, no, it's my body giving up. No, your mind yeah, is giving yeah, up. Yeah, because your mind is telling your body to give up. Your mind is the inhibitor. And, and every now and then you get these people that come along that, that, that prove that he's right. So there's an ex-professional uh, cyclist, uh, Jens Volke. Uh, the German, and he was the breakaway specialist. And his tagline was like, hashtag shut up legs. Because he would ride off the peloton, bury himself physically. And people say that there, he had a way of switching off you know, the synapses between his brain and his legs. And he could, he, he could turn off pain. Is it called flow state? I, I suppose you could call it flow state, yeah. But, but th th they were saying, or, or uh, doctors were saying, that he had the ability to turn off his pain receptors. Because if you can endure pain, <laughs> then yeah, your ability to push through that, that, that inhibitor, that, that blockage, is going to be enhanced. Yeah. You know, and, and, and Jens, is, you know, was he the best cyclist? No, but, but his ability to ride away and be at the front all day long 
And we all know that the pain threshold that cyclists go through. Mad. It's absolute madness. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's, so if you can- They're constantly at that brink of giving up almost yeah, yeah, all the, the whole to, time. To, to, the totally. whole time. So, so if you can turn I it off- I didn't know cycling was such a- Oh, it's totally brutal. Painful thing. It's like yeah. rowing, cycling, and I think like, like rowing and cycling are the two one. They're at the constant that, you know, when you can't, you're underwater and you feel like you're drowning. They're that constant state of like, I got to give up for, you know, the whole Tour de France. It's, it's mad. Yeah, it, it's totally brutal. Uh, totally brutal. Right. And he was like one of the like key protagonists of, of yeah. this sort of thing. So, so if, you can, if you can tell your brain not to... You know, to, to give in. I mean, like, you used to go running. You know, you, you were at the nationals. You know, you're, you're running around a track. Your lungs are burning. Your mind saying, "I can't, I can't, I can't go any faster." Now, that's your mind saying that. That's not your body. That's your mind. I, I, I had the pleasure of meeting Mo Farah for the first time on Sunday, and and there you are, this 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 tiny waif of a man that seemed to me <laughs> quite quite shy, just in the corner with all these celebrities at the Queen's pageant, and I was just looking at him, just thinking. How do you make your body go so fast mm. for you know, so long? I mean, it's five, 10K specialists. I mean, brutal distances. Now, you look at him, he's stick thin. But how? But, so it's, 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 it's his it's mind. mind. It's yeah. his mind. Yeah, but can, how do you do you, you have someone, so you, 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 how do you teach that mindset? Because surely, from my experience of things, the only way you can teach someone is by exposing yourself to a situation, right? Uh, well, yeah, you're, you're, I, I believe you're right. Yeah, you've got to expose yourself. But at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to expose yourself to Everest. You just need to go out there and experience it a few times. Uh, David Goggins, could go back to Goggins, he talks about it as a cookie jar. And every time you go out and stress yourself or experience something, you make a deposit into that cookie jar. And at some stage, you can put your hand in the cookie jar and, and, and take out. You can withdraw because you've been depositing in it all the time. Yeah. And then when you get into an uncomfortable situation, you can put your hand in the cookie jar and go, ah, I remember being here before, or this is familiar. I know that I can get through this. And that's how you can push forward. Have you found yourself on the side of the mountain giving pep talks to clients? Because they say they don't want to do it. They don't want to go any further. Uh, numerous times. Yeah. No, not necessarily on Everest. I'm, I'm also an, an alpine guide, so I climb like the Eiger or Matterhorn and things like that. Yeah, And, and, and more perhaps on those mountains where the level of exposure and it's just the two of us, there's no fixed lines and, and yeah. there's no, the, it, we don't necessarily have the infrastructural support that we do on Everest. Uh, and, and often you could be super early starts. You might be on the go for 10, 12, 14, 16 hours or whatever. And you know, people have self doubts and this will start to show through, especially when they start to get physically tired, that when it really manifests itself mm. and you got to stop and you got to bolster that confidence. And sometimes it's as simple as saying, you can, because hmm. we get told so much, you can't. Yeah. You, know, you can't do this, or you shouldn't do this, or you're not allowed to do this. We hear it all the time, mm -hmm. they're all negatives. Now, why, why not use the opposite? You can, mm -hmm. you are allowed, you should. Do, uh, do you truly believe, because I truly believe that as well. It, I, I get it in um, wh whatever it may be. I, I used to do a very simple one where I, I had a bit of a negative mindset, and instead of saying tomorrow's gonna be a bad day, I'd say, actually, even though I didn't feel it, I'd be like, tomorrow's going to be a good day. I'd always tell myself that. And actually, you can train yourself to think more positively, even if you try and fool yourself. I feel like you can actually do that, but not a lot of people believe that. No, I, they I, think I, it's hippy-dippy. No, I, I'm, I'm fully with you. And, and I think one of the big things, you, know, you, you talk about you can train yourself to do things, it's about making motivation into habit. 
because you know I, and, and I'm the same yeah I got back from Everest what two and a half three weeks ago whenever you know I go running pretty much every day you know, I run around the fields you know, pretty much I right can't wait day. to go and run with you I, I'm, I'm so excited to go running with you well yeah I'm so I, I, you I just run... do laps around Jamie's mum's house <laughs> but, but pretty much yeah so, yeah so I mean that's where I first met Jamie's <laughs> yeah, mum yeah. I, was, I was out running one day and there's this there's this lady with a dog and she stops and says you know who are you and what are you doing I'm she like says, oh I'm out running she said and, get off my land yeah, almost yeah. she had a shotgun yeah. get uh, off my land and um, I've lost my train of thought now no but you run right in terms of no but what we're saying in terms of it was that that mindset where you um oh, so, so, so turning turning habit into motivation yeah that's exactly okay, it. so uh, so i get back from everest and, and you know I've, I've dropped out the habit of running because i've, I've been out on Everest doing other stuff mm. and i go to bed at night and i think right tomorrow morning because i always run in the morning uh, tomorrow morning i'm gonna go running okay so the motivation is high you know i wake up in the morning and i'm like oh, okay i've got this to do i've got that to do i've got whatever to do and 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 i find any reason not to do it so you've got to make it easy to yourself. And I learned this from Alex Gregory, the, uh, uh, the rower, the, the Olympic rower. Uh, and, he, and he leaves his kit by the door. So that's one excuse just taken away. Mm. So his trainers, his, you know, his, his shirt and his shorts are by, by the door. So mm. that's been taken away. But if you do it enough times and if you push yourself, you know, that motivation, okay, I am going to go running. You slip your trainers on, you go out the door. Turn that motivation into habit. Because once you have a habit, then then you yeah. in, you know, and it just becomes the norm. Before I went to Everest, I ran six days a week, regardless. I'd drop the children off at school. Uh, I'd take the you know, dog needs exercising. So there's another great excuse to get out and go running, get yourself a dog. Um, go running with a dog because he needs exercising or walking or something. So mm -hmm. I might as well run him. Yeah. And I would get myself in a routine, into a habit. I'd go running after school drop off. I'm sat at my desk by like 9.30 in the morning, having showered and you know, I face a day ahead. That's a habit. And once you have a habit, it's easy. Wow. And it's turning motivation into habit. How important is routine? I think it's super important. And I've never had one. No, nor have I. Uh, and it's, it's hard. I mean, I, I was chatting to, to, I, I was, I chatting to a friend the other day about, about something. And I used to live in Sheffield and a lot of my mates had proper jobs. And they said the best thing for their climbing was routine, having a proper job. Because they knew that on Tuesday and Thursday nights, they would go down the climbing wall at six o'clock. And, and train for three hours. Yeah. And I never had that because I've never had a proper routine. My, yeah. my, my life is, is all over the place. But then when I do find even a modicum of new routine, like the, the school drop off, the run the dog, and then set my desk at, at 9.30, then all of a sudden the habit forms. Yeah, and you feel uh, more purpose almost. You feel, yeah, you, you have purpose and it's, yeah. it's easy to maintain because you know that every day you've got to, and then things hiccup that, for me at least from time to time, like, I've got to be in London early tomorrow morning, so I can't run tomorrow morning. And, and I only need two or three hiccups and I lose the habit. Mm, now, yeah. it's, it's, it's a little bit like trust. Trust takes a long time to form and it's really easy to break. Yeah. And habits are, are similar or positive habits. I know like bad habits like smoking or alcohol addiction, they're really hard to break. Yeah. But you know, habits take a while. Positive habits take a while. You've got to put. They the say time like in. sixty-three days or something like that. As long as that. I think it's sixty-three days to form a habit that, if you constantly do it on a regular basis, sixty-three days. But it's like way quicker to break it, right? Like it takes, I don't know, like uh, it, two it, weeks or something. To it, break it doesn't it. even take me that. Uh, I mean, I think everybody's different. But if I miss running three or four or five days, what are you know, your main positive habits? Is it is it mainly running, or do you have a lot of other things? So I do? used to do an obscene amount of CrossFit. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, so I, I was in the local gym in Sarnia yeah. a lot. And one of the reasons why CrossFit worked for me 
is, you know, it comes down to that competitiveness. Um, you know, everybody that's CrossFit says, you know, you should be competitive with yourself, not for others. But you, you, um, you're responsible for turning up. You, know, you make a pact with the other people. Yeah. You are going to turn up at six o'clock in the morning and train at CrossFit. And if you don't, you know, you're, 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 you're shouted out. Yeah. You know, you're like, well, you weren't here. It's like jujitsu. Yeah. Jujitsu is the same sort of thing. Yeah, with I mean, jujitsu, you, you, you're meant to you turn, turn up. up. Yeah, you, you turn up. You know, it's an obligation to turn up. If you make a pact for some, you know, with somebody, okay, you know, Jamie, I, I, I see a CrossFit, or even if it's a run, you that's know, a good I, thing I, I, about. I see you at nine o'clock in the morning. You know, you know I'll meet you outside your, you know, the gate by your mum's house, and we, <laughs> we go for a ten k. Yeah, you know, I, I've made that pact with you. We we have made that together. If I don't turn yeah. up, I am letting someone's you down. Responsible for you. Someone, yeah. Someone's responsible for it. It's because it. if you're just going on for a run on your own, it's so easy to not do it. Yeah. But if you're meeting someone, and, and I'm, I'm the same. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what is it? The uh, November project. Uh, it sort of span out of uh, I think it was I think it started in New York. Yeah, and, and that that was exactly that. Yeah, and they have the bounce. So everybody gets together and they do this massive bounce before wow. the start. So everybody's really close in, their body contact, and they just and, and they simply do a bounce. Mm. And the whole thing was you made a pact with somebody to go to the November project. It was essentially an informal run, run club. Yeah. and if you didn't turn up, you know you, you were um, you're letting everyone down. Yeah. I love that. I like it's a collective. Yeah. And, and collectives are, they're powerful. Um, Kenton, we're going to have to stop there for part one. Oh, you've got two parts. Oh. This is why you're the best podcast. You don't have one, <laughs> you get two for the price of one. But listen, I want to come back in part two. Well, you're getting enough bloody revenue from me through your, <laughs> through your sweeties. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we're, 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 we're a plant-based family. Yeah. How many plant-based sweets are there that you're like? straight. Not, and you better keep buying them. Keep buying yeah. them. We want to make them cheaper, man. <laughs> do I get free ones having been on a podcast? <laughs> mm, maybe. No, of course you do. Come back in part two. Um, we have a big question for you and also um, I'm going to explain the first time I ever contacted you but I don't think you remember it oh god coming back in part two under pressure here we go planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.